0: Come on! Welcome to Lifeblood. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, a strong and powerful Jen Berman. Jen, are you ready to do this? I am. All right. Jen is a JD. She is an MBA, benefits compliance maven. She's a CEO of MZQ Consulting. They are the premier ACA reporting and benefits compliance boutique. I'm excited to have you on. Jen, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do.
1: Oh, thank you. Um, So I am a wife and mom, first and foremost. I have a uh, A wonderful 13-year-old son named Jack and an 11-year-old named Abby, um, who, you know, sort of are the reason I do everything that I do. Um, But on the work side, I am an employee benefits attorney, um, which basically means that it is my job to help employers to really sort of comply with the dozens of various laws that impact their ability um, to attract and retain employees through their, their benefits programs. And we do that in lots of different ways. Um, my company, MZQ Consulting, helps with affordable care, act compliance, and also a whole lot of um, different requirements, things like documents and, and government filings. Um, but most recently, the work that we have been doing has been an um, area of mental health parity, um, which is very, very fulfilling because we are helping employers make sure their health plans are providing access to mental health care um, in ways that make sense and meet legal requirements. So, um, a lot going on uh, in the employee benefits world right now and um, it's great because I get to help people every day.
0: Yeah, I certainly appreciate that. And you are working to help people implement programs that make sense but also do not run afoul of different laws. I bet that's a fine line.
1: It is. Can be certainly. So, the, the employee benefits is a very, very heavily regulated industry, um, much more so than people tend to realize. Um, and that's because really employers are acting as fiduciaries when they set up benefit plans, which means um, it's their job to um, take on like a higher standard in helping to protect their employees. Um, and that's a little bit different than the traditional employment relationship and carries with it a whole lot of
0: responsibility.
1: Um, And so we are there to sort of help guide employers through what can be a really difficult maze sometimes.
0: Yeah. I I appreciate that. Do you find yourself working and consulting with the actual employer themselves or the benefits provider? A little bit of both.
1: Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, So we definitely work very, very closely with um, providers and brokers and advisors in the space. They're typically, um, the folks who who come to us and bring us into the equation, because that's you know that's the point of contact for employers. They go to they go to their advisors, the brokers, to help guide them through everything having to do with their employee benefit plans. Um, but sometimes things get thorny, and and the employers really need us directly. And so um, we're lucky enough to be able to work sort of through those advisors and also directly with employers.
0: Got it. And our are- are these laws and rules, are they, are they governed at the state level, federal, both?
1: Uh, both is the short answer, although most of them are federal from my perspective. Um, so health insurance, when, you, when, you, when you're buying an insurance product, that is those are regulated at the state level. Um, but typically the states are regulating the insurance companies themselves. Um, There's also this federal law called ERISA, which is the Employee Retirement Income Security Act, and it's from all the way back in 1974. Um, Long before there was Enron, there were other crises along, you know, the people's pension plans, and the federal government got in on the act, And, and not just relative to retirement plans. Um, which is kind of easy to wrap your head around, right? You've got other people's money, so you have to take care of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, really anything that you're providing to employees. So, their medical insurance, dental vision, life insurance, disability insurance, even pet insurance can be regulated by these federal rules in certain circumstances.
0: Yeah, that certainly makes sense. All right. So, Business is hard enough as it is. It is really hard to make a profit and it's hard to then hire employees and then all of a sudden a vaccine or a, a, a pandemic hits and then vaccines come on the scene and then the government says, not only are they here, but we're going to mandate that if you have more than XYZ employees, I think it's 100, that you have to, that they have to get vaccinated or do weekly testing i i mean i i just i i do not employ 100 plus people but i mean just the complexity of that and and is it actually going to go into effect and how do i handle it you must get this question twenty four thousand times a day i do indeed it's been um
1: certainly the topic of the biggest topic of conversation for me, really, over the past couple of months, ever since the president announced it was coming in the beginning of September, and um, it's a doozy. Um, it's a doozy. And, you know, we're not sure as we're as we're having this conversation yet um, if it'll actually go into effect. It's been challenged in the federal courts, um, so we're waiting to see what happens there. I think ultimately it's going to get to the Supreme Court, and they'll be the ones who decide. But in the meantime. Employers really need to be acting to be in a position to comply with these rules. Uh, There's a very, very short timeline on them, um, and a lot that is being asked of employers. So you're absolutely right that ultimately the rule is, you know, you need to be vaccinated or tested on a weekly basis. But there's a whole lot of detail. And honestly, you know, this is a place where the devil's in the detail. Mm-hmm. So one example of that is that employer, before you can do that, employers need to know if their employees are vaccinated at all. So, you know, that's step one. And that's required um, under the under the guidance by December 6th. And here's the thing about that. It's not as simple as just saying, hey, are you vaccinated? Um, There is a requirement under the regulations, really an emergency temporary standard, but more about that level of detail, um, that employers collect, you know, the vaccination status of their employees and actually the documentation of that vaccination status, the copies of cards or attestation under the penalty of perjury. Um, But this is an example of a place where other laws come into play, too. So, That's medical information, right? And there's a whole set of rules governing privacy of medical information. It's actually not HIPAA, Um, although you can, you know, most people think medical information HIPAA. These rules are under the Americans with Disabilities Act. But either way, there's a whole lot of guidance. It needs to be kept in a separate location. It needs to be confidential, and only certain folks in HR are allowed to see it. So, employers don't typically collect high volumes of medical information from all of their employees. So when you think about something, you know, a law came out, they gave 30 days for employers to comply. And suddenly, if you think about, you know, a huge national employer, even one that's at, you know, a hundred employees, think about the logistics of training management, collecting the information, keeping it confidential. It's not simple. And it's ripe with opportunity for employers to get in trouble, particularly around something that's such a hot-button issue in our society. Um, People feel very, very strongly about vaccines in both directions, um, and that just opens up a world of risk for employers and puts it squarely on their shoulders.
0: Thanks a lot, government.
1: Most of my career, most of my day, saying to you, "Don't just the messenger. It wasn't my idea, guys."
0: Oh, um, god! <laughs> just the second, the second order impacts of of all of this. I mean, we can talk about. We're not going to the second order impacts of COVID itself, but now, my goodness, yeah, I've got a hundred employees that some are in the office and some are maybe they're all virtual, and now I need to collect actual documentation that they have been vaccinated and I need to do that in a way, is there an agreed upon way that that, that that happens or am I just sort of doing best practices and is there an agreed upon way where or place where I store this or is it again, just a best practice? I mean, it's best
1: practices. I mean, there's some rules around, you know, what to do if you can't get the, the, the vaccine part or, alternatives to vaccines, kind of things like that, but the actual methodology, you know, that's something that the employers kind of have to figure out on their own. Mm. And so I've been spending, you know, for the better part of the past couple of weeks, having those conversations and vetting out, you know, vendors are out there launching solutions and some of them will be fantastic. And other, the others of them will forget one one or another. Um, And it's, it's a really hard place to be. I have, um, had this conversation with one um, HR leader earlier this week and honestly she was just on the verge of tears. She's yeah. like, I-, I just don't know what to do. Like, I, I just don't know what to do. She, you know, she was in a crosshairs between owners that didn't want to have to deal with it and knowing that she had to comply and not having a resource allocated for it. It's just hard. Um, whatever you think of it from a you know political or a policy perspective, it's just hard on people to get it done.
0: Yeah. And as somebody, and I'm sure you're the same way, in fact, I can almost guarantee it, you're very cognizant of the value of your time and the value of your attention. And again, I'm not making a judgment on this one way or another, but the cost of hours and time, and then the opportunity cost of dedicating resources to complying with a rule that may never go into effect. I mean, I can't even quantify how much that must be.
1: Um, it's huge, and it's interesting because really, I think that the government knew that. So when you read the actual 480-odd pages that the actual guidance is, and they talk about the how you count to 100, because in my world, counting is always the question, right? How do I know if I've hit this threshold? Um, 100 for this purpose includes the whole organization, including people who work from home full-time, other related companies in certain cases, and it also includes part-time employees and treats them as like a whole person huh. for purposes of counting to 100, which is not to just count part-time work, but not how we usually count things, right? And um, the reason that they state right in that guidance from OSHA is, we think that if you have 100 employees, you're big enough to absorb this burden. Wow. Um, you know, so, so the government's aware um, but you know, nonetheless, this is the decision that's been made.
0: That is super interesting. Okay, so I, I was wondering. I wonder why a hundred, and there you go.
1: You know, and yeah. So and and the policy, you know, it's it's an interesting piece here, and I I, I want to take a minute because I think a lot of people are are sort confused as to why this is happening and what the court case is all about and stuff like that. But. The Biden administration has been pretty clear that their goal here is to get as many people vaccinated as possible. And so the reason that we're seeing this come through as an employer-based mandate is because they believe that they have jurisdiction to do it. So under our constitutional system, sort of the way that it's set up, the federal government only has powers that are expressly given to it. And all other powers belong at the state level. So in order to do anything, the federal government has to find some nexus or some basis for coming to the conclusion that they're allowed to do something. And in this case, they're using their ability to regulate safety in the workplace as the argument as to why they're allowed to do this. And that's why it's landing on employers' shoulders. It's because it's something that the federal government is allowed to do, or it's something that the federal government believes they're allowed to do. And that's what this court case is really about is does the federal government actually have this power so right now it's in the fifth circuit there's also cases in other places in the country as i mentioned earlier it's probably going to get to the supreme court but ultimately the issue at play is can the federal government do this and the reason that we're in this you know in this vote as opposed to a different version like a federal vaccine mandate is
0: the federal government doesn't have the power under the United States Constitution
1: to say everybody has to get vaccinated. Got it. How interesting. Okay. So. A
0: moment. Sorry. No, not at all. That's, that's <laughs> totally fascinating. Okay. So the government does not clearly have the power to say all the citizens of the United States of America must be vaccinated. We are, it's, it's legally enforceable. So they looked at the different mechanisms potentially available or avenues to get as many people vaccinated and they said, okay, you know, a really large chunk of the American population is employed at an organization that has a hundred or more employees. Can we mandate it that way? And they've decided that the answer to that question is yes. And now that's going to be adjudicated um, potentially all the way up to the Supreme Court.
1: Exactly. And there's another one. The other the other vaccine mandate is for healthcare providers and government contractors. That mandate is based on um, federal funding. So those two are about basically the federal government is saying federal contractors or people who get lots of money through Medicare. Um, we're just not going to pay you any money unless you make all your employees get vaccinated.
0: Hmm. So that's also going through the, the OSHA route or this is separate?
1: That's separate from OSHA. That's just another vaccine mandate that's in place um, that governs anybody who works for any company that gets federal dollars through federal contracting. It's more complicated than that, but go with it. Um, yeah. Or anybody who gets $20 through Medicare.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: Basically what they said is employers are just not going to pay you unless you do this.
0: Got it. Okay. And okay. Has, has, has that gone into effect?
1: Uh, It's going to go into effect on the same timeline as the OSHA stuff at this point.
0: Ah, so that could could also be challenged.
1: It could be. I think that that one's probably a little stronger from a legal standpoint. Um, It'll be interesting to see how all of this plays out in the court.
0: Got it. Okay, interesting. Huh. So in just the last couple of minutes that we have, your your advice or quick counsel to, to employers, to HR folks who are, who are listening to this?
1: Um, you don't have time to wait and see what happens in the courts, unfortunately. Um, so it's really, really important that you prepare to do this. I can't sit here and tell you for sure one way or the other if this is ever going to go into effect. Um, but what I can tell you is right now it's sort of the middle of November, we have a you know, holiday, one that comes every year at the end of November coming up, and the compliance deadline, the first compliance deadline under the school is December 6th. Um, so whether this ultimately goes into effect or not is a question mark, um, but you got to be working on this right now. Um, there's really just no other choice. There's really significant penalties um, for not doing this um, on the order of, a little over $13,000 per violation, this could be every employee in this case, um, or $136,000 per willful violation if you just ignore the thing. Um, so whether you like it or not, and whether you think the courts are gonna do it or not, um, or stop it or not, uh, please, please, please be planning.
0: Hmm. Nice, all right, and to get resources for how in the world to actually make that happen, where where can they get that? I want shameless plugs.
1: Um, you want shameless plugs? Okay. Well, um, shameless plug for, for myself. Uh, we are MZQ Consulting, um, and we're available at mzqconsulting.com. Um, we've got resources for all sorts of employee benefits, compliance-related needs there. Um, less shameless but equally helpful <laughs> is there's a lot of materials on the OSHA website for this. Um and you know there's a policy requirement and a um a notice requirement, and the federal government did put out um resources on that for for employers so um another good place to go certainly,
0: yeah, I don't know very much about what the OSHA website looks like, but I bet that they're awesome at policy requirements and notice requirements so
1: oh, you know <laughs> it's their wheelhouse that's for sure.
0: I love it well, Jen, thank you so much for coming on uh give us the website one more time
1: it is m z q with like mary zebra queen m z q consulting dot com
0: love it. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show Jen your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to mzqconsulting.com and check out the great resources that Jen and her firm have to offer, and I think that we will try to get this show out ASAP, so um, we will just wait to see what happens, but even moving forward, whether it goes through or it doesn't... um, just knowing where you can find great resources is always a helpful thing. Thanks again, Jen.
1: Thank you.
0: And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.